Hello and welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. I'm extra excited about today's guest, Aaron Jones. He was mentioned quite a lot in the mail carrier episode we did, number 61. He also had the unfortunate luck of having me as his coach many years ago. So welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thank you. I had, I had the fortunate luck of having oh, okay. you as well, my trainer. We'll, we'll see how that, how that turns out, how this interview goes. So let's start with how long you've been teaching Grapeseed and what your first impressions of the curriculum were. All right, so I started um, back in September 2015. So it's been about five and a half years. And I remember pretty much everything. Um, the first training I went to, um, first time in the classroom, seeing the materials for the first time, I was really surprised about everything and also really relieved. Okay, why so? So much materials. The quality was really high and um, looking at materials and hearing from all the trainers, it was so education driven. Hmm. I was really, really happy to see something like that, uh, that kind of before when I was teaching at a different school that I would need to plan about a 50 minute lesson, um, but they would only give me like a worksheet to work with. Like hmm. This is a use this grammar point, here's some vocabulary words, plan a lesson. And I'm, I don't see myself as a very creative guy. <laughs> I definitely struggle with creating a, a, a lesson that long. Um, but coming to Grapeseed and seeing all the different materials, that there was so much to choose from, it was very nice for me. That's definitely a strong point of Grapeseed because like you said, having to come in and make all of your own materials and also think about the educational aspect. Those are really difficult things, especially with how little planning time a lot of teachers have. But with Grapeseed, since you have all the materials ready to go, you have the cards, you have all the, the student take-home stuff as well, then you can focus as the teacher just on delivering the content to the best of your ability and not necessarily worried about, okay, I need to make worksheets or I need to find different art things on the internet like you can just basically trust in the system and it'll do it for you yeah exactly and perfect relieved me a lot <laughs> so favorite material and unit what do you have all right so there's so many so many okay strap in everybody choose <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i love so many things in grapeseed and i don't really want to choose just one one material Okay. So different materials in Grapeseed. We've got all the, we have the action activities, the songs, poems, stories. So going with the easiest thing to choose, my favorite story. I've heard it from other teachers as well. It's, I think, on the podcast as well. Uh, spider's Web. Yep. Comes I up a lot. The Spider's Web. That I get, I have so much fun telling that story. You've talked a lot about. Uh, in depth about why spider's web is so so much fun and i agree with pretty much everything you've said on previous podcasts <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs> <laughs> i like really making voices for all the different characters different voices for all the characteristics of the bugs it really gets the, the students having a lot of enjoyment they always laugh hearing the different voices for the first time mm. and then i love telling the story for the first time if the students have never heard it, and then they don't know what's going to happen. 
Mm. At the very end, the grasshopper jumps, the spider's ready to eat him. Oh, and it's really, they're on the edge of their seats. <laughs> but then everything's okay in the end and they get relieved. Something that also, that like personally for me, that when I was teaching Grapeseed, um, I went to get a, a master's in education. Wow. And I, one of the aspects was to look at picture books and what, what are some good aspects of a picture book when choosing one for the classroom. When I was reading all the different kind of the studies about what, what's good qualities of picture books that they would point out that you want inviting illustrations, that's got to be age appropriate content. Um, another big thing is repeated phrases. That personally, when I first saw picture books and like, oh, they're just using the same language over and over again, the author must be so lazy. <laughs> but actually, that's a really good teaching practice is just using the same phrase over and over and over again. Um, and then also a, a good quality of a picture book is having a positive message in there. Mm. It's not just all about um, entertainment, but having some kind of positive moral social message in there um and after going over all that stuff and re-looking at the grapeseed stories see the grapeseed stories really hits so many of those points they're mm. really so well made um and the spider's web also hits those points it puts in the repeated phrase of come dance with me no my father says um, and there's a really good positive message at the end that you have to listen to your mother and father. Exactly. These things are okay, but when your mother and father say, don't do this, don't do that. You're going to get in trouble. You have to listen to your parents or you get eaten by a spider, like Mikolos's moral right. that he took from it. <laughs> <laughs> How about a song? A song. Um, so there's many songs. There's so many fun songs to sing. Ones like Weekends Are Cool. I really love that song. I really Ooh. love to sing that one. New one, good. Yeah, it's one of the new ones. I uh, really like a lot of those new ones that Grapesy added you know, two years ago. Yeah, I really, I thought they were kind of different, like a bit more upbeat, mm. a bit more fun to sing, a bit more modern, yeah, with their, their beats. But I think my favorite song of all units is There's a Hole. Okay, Unit 11. Yeah, Unit 11, There's a Hole. It's got, it's got that catchy tune to it, um, the repeated language, as, as I said before, which is really good for, for good classroom materials. Um, but what sets it apart from kind of all the other songs for me is just the concept behind it, that it just keeps on building up upon itself. It's longer and longer and longer. Um, I just have so much fun with that. And the students have a lot of fun with that. Once they start getting confident with it, we can start making really funny combinations with the language. Um, I recently just finished, finished teaching this unit. And in one of the lesson plans, um, it said, put a pencil on the table and ask the students, where is the pencil? With the expected answer of it is on the table mm -hmm. or the pencil is on the table. In my classroom, that when we're not using the tables, we have them stacked up on one another. 
So we have like four tables just stacked on one another. Okay. So I put the pencil on the table and asked the students, where is the pencil? And then they gave me the response. There's a pencil on a table, on a table, on a table, on a table <laughs> in the classroom. They're not so, wrong. <laughs> that, yeah, they're not wrong. And that, that was just so funny for me. I, I love it when they kind of say things like that. And something that I really would like to see about there's a whole is that I want, I want more verses on there. Oh, boy. Once, once you get confident that it's just too short, I think there could be <laughs> two, or, two or three more things in the bubble than something else on the bubble. <laughs> what about chance? Chance. Um, so thinking about the chance that they're, I love all of them. And they're almost kind of all the same. I love them all for almost the same reasons, that it gives them such a really nice way to use English, that here's the question and here's the answer. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of change out whatever language you want to use. Like, yes, I can. And it's like, okay, what can you see? Can you see, can you see a bird? Can you see a boy? And if I ever play with the students on the playground, that they can easily use that language. Mm. But I think my favorite chant is, yes, I am. Okay. Interesting choice. Why? Got, so I think it's got all the qualities of all the other chants. But yes, I am, I think gives them a bit more to play with. Okay. That now they're talking about themselves. That when we do the chant, it's like, are you a tomato? Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. Or no, I'm not. So now I can start to ask them, are you, are you a tomato? They get, they get angry and they're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I am a boy or I am a girl. Um, but then they start to have fun. They can, they start to think of some funny questions. They can ask the teacher and I'll ask the teacher, are you a monkey? <laughs> and I'll say, no, I'm not. But then they might say, yes, <laughs> yes, you are. Yes, yes, I am. So I think. What I see is that we have so much fun once they get confident with that one, that they really have a lot of fun time using that chance um, question and answer, answer structure outside of kind of the lesson time. Excellent. Let's go on to unit here before we go on to your school life. So favorite unit? All right. Favorite unit. Um, this was really hard. I had to think about this one for a long time. <laughs> But I ended up on unit six. Okay. And I, I picked unit six, although none of my favorite materials are in unit six. But I think <laughs> <laughs> unit six is just overall a great unit. I mean, it's got really great balance. Mm. That for me, just personally, I was looking at the stories. I, I really like telling all those stories. The songs are fun to sing. Uh, I said before that weekends are cool. I really like singing weekends are cool. And that's in unit six. Um, and then there's also some moving around in that unit as well. Mm -hmm. Great. Tell us about your school life. So how many classes are you teaching and what units are you currently on? All right. So with the new school year, I'm teaching 12 different classes. Oof. And, uh, eight different units. Wow. Yeah, so at our school, um, we do grape seed lessons three times a week, and we have three different teachers. 
So one class will get each teacher once a week. Oh, wow. That's an interesting system. Yeah. Um, so with that, the eight units that I'm teaching is units one, five, nine, 12, 16, 17, 19, and 20. Whew. I don't think there are many listeners right now that are jealous of your workload. <laughs> it must be really difficult with all the, the kids' names you have to memorize. Um, at first, it can be difficult, uh, maybe with like the new, new students coming in, but mm -hmm. um, we see them, see the kids three times a week. Um, I'll also see them just in the mornings almost every day. Mm -hmm. So learning the names kind of comes really fast. And I'm sure for them then, it's really exciting because they every week they get to see all three of their teachers. So it's something almost new every time they walk into the Gracie classroom. That's a really cool idea. Yeah, they get to experience the grapeseed materials in kind of a different way every time. Each teacher has their own different teaching style of how they approach the songs and stories. Exactly. We'll have to interview one of the students in a, in a few years when their English is a little <laughs> bit stronger, and then they can tell us who, who taught the spider's web the best out of you or the other two teachers there. Ooh, I, I'm nervous about that. <laughs> Moving on here, how was your teaching experience with Grapeseed compared to your teaching of other curricula? So yeah, like I said before, with my initial thoughts of Grapeseed, that I love how much materials are already made and how well laid out the curriculum is. Mm. Um, when I was teaching at um, other schools, other curricula, that I needed to stretch just a small amount of content over a long period, um, which was, I struggled with that a lot. Mm. Um, I also have some experience being an ALT. Yep, assistant language um, teacher, yep. Yeah, I was teaching at a, a high school. Okay. And for that, um, all of the lessons and activities, worksheets, it was really made out and it was really kind of relaxed. Um, but even in that situation, that it never felt rewarding to me. Um, not like grapeseed. Mm. That grapeseed, it's got a lot of structure, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done for the teachers. Absolutely. But when you put in that work, that you do see the growth of the students and it's... It's an awesome feeling to see that as a teacher. Definitely. Not just the materials themselves, but the lesson plans. They, it, at first glance, feels like there's so much structure and you're, you're caged in this rigid structure, but really there's so much room within that to take that lesson plan or take that material and really put your own spin on it and really teach it to the level of your students and to the needs of your specific class. Yeah, definitely. And... When you get it right, when you, when you have an idea that really clicks with the students and they have a lot of fun with it, it, it feels great. Speaking of which, professional segue, what is something a student <laughs> of yours said recently during class in English that impressed you? All right. Yeah. So this is, this is cool. Um, 
So I've actually started keeping a journal about some of these times um, and kind of because of you and this podcast. Oh. That I, if, if some kind of cool story came along, I wanted to make sure I could remember it and then maybe it could tie it in with a future podcast episode and share it with you. Just, just in case you are ever invited, which you ended up getting invited. Sure. So perfect. Yeah, just in case. Uh, <laughs> so uh, the ones that I really want to kind of highlight are two, two quick moments. Okay. Um, and it's got a common theme at the end. All right. Look at that. A, a true so teacher. Me personally, <laughs> me personally um, I, I really like jokes. I like joking around, playing around. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where these two stories come from. Uh, the first one is, this is a, a Nen Cho student. So five years old. Okay. Um, and this was around the time when he was in unit seven, right before class. Um, we're getting ready to go over to the classrooms. He comes up to, to me and he first says no. And he's got his arms in an, an X. Mm. And then he says, Japan, as he's pointing to himself, and then knees, as he touches his knees. <laughs> so phonetically, it comes out to being no Japanese, mm -hmm. which is something that, yeah, we say in the classroom, like, we want to speak English, no Japanese. And then he's like, wait, there's other English words that <laughs> sound the same. And he made his own joke about that. I. This is something I never thought about either. Yeah, never heard of that either. That, that's impressive. And then this, this other story um, of even younger student, Nen Chu, so four years old. Mm -hmm. And this was when she was uh, in unit two. Mm -hmm. So still in the very beginning. Um, but she's very playful. She likes to tell jokes. Um, and in class when we were transitioning back to the chairs, something I always say is go sit down in your chairs, um, but I'll remain standing because I'm mm -hmm. teaching. I stand as I teach a lot. Um, but this student, that since I'm telling her to sit down, she also says, Aaron, come on, sit down. Um, so, and she said, come on, sit down. I went up to her and I sat down on her. <laughs> And she started cracking up. She, I, she didn't, I don't think she understood exactly what she said before mm -hmm. she said it, but then, then it clicked. And then I tried to stand up and she said it again, now pointing to her lap of, come on, sit down, come on, sit down. Um, and I think it clicked for her that she could use English to make funny things happen. Mm. How motivational so, is that? Like, because with students, when they when that little light bulb goes off and that kind of situation happens, then they're now super motivated to try to find other things to say that are, that'll be fun in class for the teacher to do or for their classmates to do. So that's great. Yeah. So like the common theme of both these stories is that it wasn't really amazing English. It wasn't on point grammar or using uh, an extensive vocabulary, but that they had a feeling, that these young students had a feeling that they wanted to express, and they just used whatever English they could use. 
to mm. express that feeling. Absolutely. They're not just parroting back a grammar point and an example sentence from the textbook like you and I have experienced in our previous lives, but they're, they have their own thoughts, their own idea, and they're trying to convey that. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. All right. So those stories um, were kind of of really young students in their units, two, units seven, still mm -hmm. kind of early. Um, I have this other story of a third grade student um, when he was in unit 16. Okay. And we are doing uh, the big book Picnic at the Park. All right. And this is a little embarrassing for me. <laughs> this was my third time teaching unit 16. And we were already kind of far into it. And I remember as I was teaching it, this one lesson, I was, it, it clicked to me that all of the nouns in the book start with P. Mm. And not just like the nouns of the words it says, but also the main character is a pony. Mm. And they, they never even say pony, but it's just everything's linked to that P. So I remember I just realized it in that lesson, and I wanted to share that with the students once we got to the end. And right before we got to the end, right before I could say anything, one of the students pointed it out before I could. <laughs> Great minds think alike. He says, oh, Mr. Aaron, everything, everything is P. And he says all the, all the P words. There's picnic, peanut, pie, pizza. Perfect. And I was, wow, you, you're much faster at realizing this than I was. It's so only his first time through the unit as opposed to Mr. Aaron's third. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a little embarrassed on my side, but then also really impressed with him. Besides the letter P, what is something else you're trying to improve about your own teaching? <laughs> uh, so personally, I'm... Personally, okay. Personally, <laughs> I'm a guy <laughs> who I really look for efficient ways to do things. Um, I find I really want to find the best, most time-efficient way to reach a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started Grapeseed, um, that was kind of what I was moving towards. I wanted to, okay, what's the best way to use this lesson time? Mm. And I have improved that area quite a bit. Um, but I think because I spent so much time doing that, something I've been lacking in is creating the natural moments of English conversation. Mm. Um, and trying to look for opportunities of how to encourage conversation or just encourage the students to just speak whatever's on their mind. I think that's a natural part of just teacher growth, especially when it comes to grapeseed is initially because we're limited by time and we're trying to do so many different things and you have to remember how to teach action activities versus big books and things like that the first kind of goal for new grapeseed teachers is okay how can i teach this stuff as efficiently as i can but then like you said the next step after that is okay now i have the general rhythm down i have the efficiency down so how can i now in the same amount of time get more value educationally out of that stuff. Yeah, definitely. And like the, the story of the little girl who said, come on, sit down. 
that how do I create more moments like that for all the different students? Exactly. And you then change your own approach. So you notice that that girl said that that wasn't in your plan for the day, but you took the extra 30 seconds to a minute there to let your student know that you're kind of respecting their output and you're playing along with them and kind of creating that really fun teachable moment in the classroom. So then in the back of your mind, you also know, all right, now I need to save 30 seconds to a minute somewhere else. So that efficiency just kind of becomes your own egg timer in the back of your head as you're teaching. So when you do lighten up and, and release the reins a little bit on your super efficient class, you can then pull it back when you need to. Yeah, definitely. Great. You've touched on this a little bit already, but more specifically, how has teaching Grapeseed changed your way of teaching in general and specifically your approach to teaching a language? All right, so this is really hard to answer. <laughs> um, Grapeseed has shaped my teaching almost entirely. Mm. Um, and I still feel like it's still changing. That when I started teaching Grapeseed, I had only been teaching for about a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, so I was still very young in my teaching career. And I didn't really have a style at that time. Mm. And I, I remember my first time teaching Grapeseed and being so nervous. Mm. It was my, one of my first times teaching such a large class. I had 20 students. I had to remember all the materials and then questions to ask. And something that really sticks out in my mind that it was a summer, very hot. <laughs> Tokyo summers, yeah. Tokyo summer. Um, but then also combined with just being so nervous mm. that I was sweating so much and my glasses just kept on falling off my face. <laughs> they, they could not stay on there. Um, <laughs> like looking back at that time, I, I can think about how I've grown so much and how grapeseed has changed me and shaped me mm. to be the, the teacher I am now. Thinking about like my biggest challenge when I first started was classroom management, mm. which luckily I had you to give me <laughs> a lot of advice on. I don't know if it's that... lucky or not, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember the first time you came to see my lessons um, when you were still uh, my grape seed teacher or trainer. Um, and it was at a time when the trainers could model teaching at schools. Mm. And I was definitely having time managing the classes. So you offer to jump in and kind of see, show me how it's done. And you did it so easily. You jumped in and got their attention. You got them singing the songs, listening to the stories, answering questions. So... When I saw that, I knew I needed, I needed to change a lot, that it's really, it's possible, but I need to, I need to improve. So seeing that I was kind of changed my mindset, having really strict, but clear expectations in the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, something big that you gave to me was moving at a faster pace. 
Um, and then also maintaining eye contact with the students as much as possible. That was like top priority. Glad you still remember all these things after all these years. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so that's kind of like my teaching style that Grapeseed has shaped me. But thinking about teaching a language that Grapeseed's really shaped me to focus more on communicating and not focusing so much on just grammar, 100% grammar all the time. Mm. That in addition to teaching grapeseed, I'll also sometimes teach these simple non-grapeseed English lessons at my mm -hmm. school. And until recently, I also taught a small group of adults. And when planning both of these lessons, that I would focus on the enjoying the process of English communication mm. and trying to create opportunities where the students can speak instead of just, okay, what's the grammar? Let's do drills with this grammar. Absolutely. Your own journey there, I think a lot of teachers have that as well, where they might have experience teaching older students. So in your case, high school students, or I'm not sure who you were teaching in your English conversation school days, but definitely probably older than these four and five-year-olds that you're, that you had to start with in grapeseed. So yeah. it's just a completely different ball game because you don't need to tell a junior high or a high school student. Well, you shouldn't have to tell them, although you <laughs> typically do how they should be behaving in class. Whereas a four and five-year-old kid, it's a totally different thing. You have to show them what the rules and expectations are because they don't really understand what this thing called school actually is and what how you're supposed to act there. So that that process of transitioning from older students to the younger students is a really difficult one. And it's it definitely, like you're talking about, requires a very different approach. Yeah, I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> Great. Let's move to preparation. So when you're preparing for a class, can you walk us through your thought process? Yeah. The lesson schedule can be quite busy um, on some of my days. Well, I'll have um, at my max four lessons back to back. Mm. And maybe there's 10 minutes in between, um, 15 minutes if I'm lucky. So uh, when thinking about preparation process, um, there's different steps um, just to make everything manageable. The first thing um, is in the morning when we've got a couple of hours before the lessons start that I will spend time getting the physical materials I need for the lesson organized. Mm. Um, so looking at the lesson plan, what, what stories am I teaching? What songs am I teaching? Um, getting them all ready. And also the, the vocabulary cards. Um, that way, when I only have maybe five minutes to set up the classroom, it's in a convenient place and won't take me so long. So that's the first part. After I get the physical materials all organized, um, I do want to spend some time looking over the lesson plans. Mm -hmm. um, I want to memorize the key questions and activities for that day. Uh, my, my personal feeling is once I'm in the lesson, I want to give 100% focus to the students, mm. um, trying to build just natural 
conversation, natural moments. Um, so not going back to some lesson plan. I just want to be in the moment so I can focus on them, but then also still remember what are the goals of today's lessons. Um, so it, it might take a while for me to get to that comfortable level. Um, and then plus, I need to do that for maybe three or four different lesson plans that are going to come right afterwards. While I'm looking over those lesson plans, then it might also pop up that um, I need to get some additional props. Um, maybe the lesson plan um, will say like, oh, get a calendar or have some toys ready. Um, but I might also think about some good props on my own that, okay, this question might be a little difficult, but if I prepare this other prop, I can ask it in a more um, easy to understand way. So that is kind of all what I will do in the morning before the lesson start. The next step is lessons have started. Um, so we're going really fast. I'll do our lesson, say goodbye to the students, and then got 10, maybe 15 minutes to clean up. We're using the same classroom, so I've got to clean up all the materials and then put up the new materials. Um, so that comes really fast, and I want to set up my classroom in a way that is organized and helps me understand. Mm. So I've got my own system Perfect. that I know the first half, like I'll, I'll have my whiteboard divided into two halves. And the first half is like the first section of my lesson. And then once I finish everything on that half of the whiteboard, that means we go to the transition time. Mm. Love that. And then we've got a reading corner. I have that also divided into two halves. And once I finish one half of the reading corner over there, that also means, okay, time to transition again. And with things like that, I don't have to really remember, okay, when do we switch? When do we get up and move around? That it's just automatic. And I don't have to think about that now. Exactly. Because your goal at the end of the day is to be in the moment like you're talking about, to keep that eye contact with the students, to look for all those teachable moments and react to them as they come alive. And if you're thinking about in your mind constantly, okay, what materials next? What question do I have to ask? Um, how do I teach this big book again? I totally forgot. Then all of those thoughts are taking away focus and energy and time from actually interacting directly with your students. So what you're doing in your advice here, which is really great, is remove all of those extra thoughts set up your classroom in a way where you don't have to think about those things, where it just comes naturally. So setting your materials into teaching blocks like you're talking about, whether it's the recommendation of putting questions on the back of your teaching cards, things like that, where, okay, you have the lesson plan, you've looked through it, but now you don't even have to keep that stuff in your mind because of your setup, setting you up to teach things super effectively in the classroom. Yeah, exactly. How about after your lesson? Yeah, after my lesson. I think, although this is maybe, lessons are finished now, but I, I consider it an important part of preparation for the next lessons. Absolutely. That Everybody should. After the lessons, I want to reflect on what went well 
but then also what didn't go so well mm. um, and where what areas could be improved. Maybe I thought um, when I was looking at the lesson plan that it would go in this one direction, but it went totally in a different direction. Or this one concept was too difficult for them to understand and maybe rethinking of how I approach it in future lessons. Um, I think that's a really important part to prepare for what comes next, the next day, the next week. Absolutely. We've touched on this with the eye contact and staying in the moment, but how else do you build connection and rapport with your students? Yeah, so it's hard to think of one specific thing of building connection and rapport. Um, I think in the classroom, one of the most important things is having those clear and high expectations of the students. And that's also really uh, closely related to classroom management. Mm. It can be really hard work for a teacher to constantly enforce these high expectations, but um, if you're consistent with it, um, it can help build trust with the students. That the students will know if they be if they misbehave, that they'll trust that they'll get in trouble. But then at the same time, that if they do something really well, they trust the teacher will acknowledge and praise them. Mm. Um, and with that trust, you can build a really strong connection with the students. Clarity and consistency. Yeah. I, I also like sharing my own life with the students um, as much as possible. I've got um, lots of pictures and I'll try to use those pictures um, whenever I can in the classroom to maybe spark some English discussion. Excellent. Like, for example, um, a few years ago, I traveled to an animal sanctuary and I was able to interact with a lot of different animals. Like I, I held this huge parrot and it spoke to me. Okay. With blue. It spoke in Spanish though. <laughs> and then I, was, I also got to feed, a, I was able to feed a monkey. Okay. I gave it some snacks. I gave it a grape and it climbed up on my head. And then I got some pictures of those moments. So it's really useful in units one and also units 11 yeah, I can show those pictures to the students, um, and they're kind of ridiculous pictures. You'll, you'll probably never see someone else with a, a monkey on their head, mm. but I can. I show them the picture and like, oh, I I played with a monkey. I I had a monkey climb on my head, um, and they get interested in it. And then maybe it encourages them to tell me what they did. What animals did they play with? Mm, absolutely. So that's kind of what I focus on in the classroom, but building up those re relationships with the students, I also think it's really important outside of the classroom. So something we do at our school is we'll do different events during the year, um, mostly for our elementary students. And this can range from having simple ones, like we'll have a movie day a couple of times a year, where we'll just watch a movie in English um, with the teachers. Nice. Have some fun. Um, some things require a bit more planning. Like we might plan uh, a game day. So we'll plan out some fun activities 
This one time we did an egg hunt around the playground and they oh, nice. had to read English clues to find out where to do the where are the eggs hiding. Perfect. And then sometimes we'll even plan trips. We'll go down to downtown Tokyo. Um, and there's some really cool English programs there. Uh, one um, is Tokyo Global Gateway. Another one is Kidzania. And they've got just rooms set up for English learning. So we really like doing those events because it gives the students an opportunity to use English outside of the classroom. That English is not just something that you do with grapeseed. It's not just for singing these songs, but now you can go out in the real world and experience English and use what you learned in a fun way. So important and so impactful, these kind of ideas. And we, we highlight a lot of them also on the, the Mason Connection sub-series podcast where the teachers are talking about their favorite events at Mason specifically. And if you've listened to those, if you're listening to this podcast, you might have thought, okay, some of these are really hard to do. There's a lot involved. Like I think one of them was everybody dresses up in certain things or kids stay over at the school for a night and they have a big camp out those are really fun things to do. And if you can do them and organize them at your school, it's highly suggested to do so. But even some of these ideas that Aaron's talking about, like a simple movie day where you just watch a movie in English with your kids, looking for those kind of opportunities to spend time outside of the grapeseed classroom are just so impactful for the students. And like Aaron's talking about, they really show kids that this isn't just grapeseed isn't the only English exposure they have. English is something that can be used outside of these walls as well. Yeah, and having those fun times with the students, it creates a great bond with them. Yep, and you can learn things about them that then you can talk about in your classes as well, like characters they like or things that they've done or family members, stuff like that. Yeah, that's true. So those events, um, we do those for our elementary students. We don't have any events for kindergarten students but um, in the morning time I will be um, at the kindergarten so I'll get to see them every day mm. and we do uh, a lot of different things we'll do those simple English lessons for their classes sometimes um, occasionally I'll eat lunch with them and then even play with them outside on the playground and this kind of serves as a dual purpose, that it gives them a chance to use English outside of the classroom, show them English is not just grapeseed, um, but then it also helps build that positive relationship. That Aaron's a fun guy to play with on the playground, or he ate lunch with me. Just spending some time with them um, builds up that good relationship, which transfers over to the classroom. Exactly. That playground time is really fun too. I remember when I was at Mason for a little bit, I, uh, the kids were really into dodgeball. So they would always invite me to play dodgeball with them. Mr. Adam didn't go too easy on the kids though. Uh, there was, there was quite some annihilation going on, but it was, it was fun times and they, they enjoyed it and I enjoyed it too. That's right. Never, never go easy on them. Exactly. Let's let's zoom out here a little bit from the classroom to kind of your role in your school. So 
communicating with school management and students' parents is really important. So how do you do that? Okay, so within our department, so teachers and then also managers, um, we'll have short daily meetings um, before lessons start just to quickly go over anything special that is happening that day. Um, maybe we're giving out new materials, we're giving back writers, giving back daybooks, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll also have a, a meeting at the end of lessons to talk about anything that happened. And then once a week, we'll have a longer one hour meeting um, to go over many, any bigger problems that maybe have been occurring, um, ways to improve, and also planning those events, upcoming events. Mm. Um, and yeah, these meetings are not, it's not just the teachers getting together, but it's also that administration staff. Um, that way, everyone kind of related to Grapeseed at our school knows what's going on. Mm. Um, our teachers don't have much time to talk with the parents. Um, so it's mostly the manager, the administration staff who mm. will communicate with the parents. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for them to have a good idea what's going on in the classes um, and to have a really good understanding of Grapeseed and the curriculum. That way, whenever he is talking with the parents, he can give accurate answers um, and he doesn't always have to be checking in with the teachers. I love that idea of both the the shorter meetings and then the longer kind of big picture meetings that you guys have just to keep everybody on the same page. I think it's really important, especially when you have more than one teacher at your school. When you start getting into three, like in your guys' case, or even more in some of bigger schools, just having that quick, okay, this is the schedule for the day. We're releasing five minutes earlier than usual because of blah, 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 blah. And remember that you need to take attendance for blah, blah, blah. Like those kind of things to really make sure everybody's following along and the, the whole program is running smoothly. Those are highly recommended, those little meetings. Yeah, definitely. And we also, that's kind of our day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. weekly um, schedule. During, throughout the year, we also try to have parent meetings where they can ask some questions or concerns that they might have, and we'll, we'll answer it. And we'll also talk about different strategies that they could use to help their students grow. Great. We can end here on general advice. What other advice do you have for new grapeseed teachers? Oh, man, there's so many things. Um, <laughs> But I think if you're listening to the podcast and if you listen to previous episodes, there's already so much good advice out there. I often hear, yeah, be a learner yourself, which is something that I really also believe. Mm -hmm. um, don't stay in your comfort zone that it's okay to get out, try new things. Um, but if I had like one advice um, for, especially for new, new teachers, is to trust Grapeseed. That Grapeseed is very different than other English curricula and other learning curricula for that matter. Um, and lots of conventional wisdom can be opposite of what Grapeseed says. And I've often seen that like new 
teachers and even like new management, um, when they look at Grapeseed for the first time, that they'll have previous ideas of like, oh, we need to be pushing this more. Maybe like drill practice and things like that. Mm. that we need to focus on getting results a lot more. Um, but I think it's really good to kind of step back, trust Grapeseed, because it's really well made. Um, there's some really smart people who spent a lot of time to make, make the materials, make the lesson plans. And if you kind of trust it, you'll see the results. You'll see it um, improve really well. And then, of course, maybe after a few years, you can understand that there's some tweaks here and there. But especially at the beginning, f follow Grapeseed, follow what they say in the training. And it, it might seem weird, but it works. Especially coming from other conventional, more middle-of-the-road curricula that, that we've been talking about before of maybe focusing on grammar or translation, things like that, coming to Grapeseed, it's a, it's a big transition. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That even me, I sometimes struggle with it, that maybe a question pops up and the students don't really understand it. Like, why am I asking this question? Why don't I spend more time teaching them like what each word means? But the Grapeseed overall is, it's okay if they don't understand they're going to see this question again and then after one maybe two years maybe even three years that's when they're going to have mastery but we don't need to focus so much right now yeah and that's where the creativity of the teacher comes in so if there's a question that you're you ask in class and your students don't know how to answer it okay what can you do then what can you follow up with in the next 15 20 30 seconds to help them understand that a little bit better before you move on it's not just, okay, the lesson plan says, ask this question. I asked the question. I got blank stares. Moving on. <laughs> just leave it, <laughs> drop it completely. What can you do to help supplement for now and then set them up for success in a future exposure? Yes, yes, yes. Perfect. Great conversation. Thank you so much for joining the podcast, Aaron. Oh, thank you for having me. I am excited to get this one out to listeners as soon as possible. As always, everyone, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.